Welcome to the pollsters. I'm Margie Omero, Democratic pollster with GBAO. And I'm Kristen Soltis-Anderson, Republican pollster with Echelon Insights. And each week we bring you the polls, driving the latest news in politics, tech, and pop culture. How was your holiday weekend? It was lovely. I had a friend of the show, Matt Baker, in town. He is uh, he hosts the Roman Circus podcast. If you are into podcasting about Catholicism, Matt's your guy. Uh, so he was coming to visit us and hang out. Had a little, uh, small little cookout. Um, went to my favorite s- secret crab destination in Maryland. Which one is that? It's secret. no it's called skipper's pier i believe Mm. it's like a at one point i used to think it was like a biker bar because there were always lots of motorcycles outside yeah that's kind of a memorial day thing in memorial day maryland outside but but normally i don't go on memorial day Mm. um so this is like a place you just you basically get on pennsylvania avenue and you drive for 45 minutes and when you hit the water there's skipper's pier and you can order your crabs by the dozen and it's great so it's a little early in crab season they were kind of tiny Right. A lot of work, very little meat, but yes. it was still fun. Yes. I went to Chestertown, Maryland, which is where we go every Memorial Day with the same group of people. We stay at the same place and we do the same, like to the minute. Like I I enjoy the rhythm <laughs> of it. I haven't had that kind of vacation before. Like it's two o'clock on Sunday. This is the time we all <laughs> get in the boat and do X. Like, I mean, it's that. That sounds lovely, Regimented. Honestly. And even my kids, you know, Lucy's like, I'm getting my face painted and I'm going to get lemonade. Like she knew had like her whole plan and so they have this big <laughs> festival like it's a tea party re- uh, reenactment and like maybe 15% of everybody at the festival is dressed in some sort of like colonial garb and um, the line for face painting is like eight hours long you know <laughs> and um, could you set up like an off-brand face painting station like they, these ladies were talented so and the off-brand would have been just so, like, four hours I was gonna say for the kids who who don't who aren't don't looking care. for a quality face paint no. they just my, they, they my kids you know were very insistent Beckett's <laughs> like I want to be Black Panther and I don't think the woman like had a Black Panther kind of at the ready so she made just sort of like a black Fox, <laughs> and everyone was like, what are you? Are you Batman or are you? And he's like, Mom, I don't think people know that I'm Black Panther. I'm like, yeah, they do. And I'm telling other people like behind his back. <laughs> so what are the top lines? Let's for the see. Week? Personality test. We're going to talk about the personality characteristics uh, that people think presidents have or don't have. Uh, we're going to compare Trump to Bush and Obama. Um, we're going to take a look at some new polling from Echelon. We have our monthly omnibus out showing Joe Biden in pretty commanding position. Um, but we'll also talk about some new polling from Pew on 2020 on the Republican side as well. Is there a potential gap for a primary challenger? We'll talk about the economy doing well, but Democrats having a potential message on the issue nonetheless. Some new polling from Navigator. We'll dive into that. There is the Black Census Project that is done an in-depth study. Um, we're going to discuss uh, tr- this project that tries to understand communities that are perhaps not as well studied by existing public opinion projects. Um, some polling across the pond as the Brits welcome Donald Trump. Uh, and then last but not least, it is pool season now that Memorial Day has passed. But when was the last time you went swimming? We'll take a look at some new data on how much people jump in the pool. Okay. So first... Should we do a check-in on Trump? I mean, I guess the thing is, 
what I'm always amazed by is even oh, there's been a weekend, a holiday weekend, no polling has come out. Nobody's polled over the weekend. There's barely anything new. But there's still – yet polling doesn't take a holiday. There, there's, all, there's still stuff to talk about. The only new poll is this Rasmussen poll, which is why there's like a – you know, there there has not been any new polls added to the RCP average since, I mean, besides that one Rasmussen one, they all came out of the field over a week ago. So not much change. Right. in but the- there were Dem primary polls, but we're not doing a full Dem primary. But there was lots of Dem primary stuff that came out Thursday and Friday just to like... Right after welcome we to the weekend. Yes, welcome to the weekend. But yes. thus far, it does not look like a ton of new polling as far as the president's job approval. So he's still sitting at 42.3% approval. And Gallup has a question about presidents having personality and leadership qualities that people think they should have. Do you believe that Donald Trump has the personality and leadership qualities a president should have? Um, asking voters uh, in 2019 about Donald Trump, more Republicans now than two years ago think that Trump has the personality and leadership qualities that a president should have, as do slightly more, but it's a very small bump among independents and about a seven-point bump among Democrats, but only 13% of Democrats think he does compared to 81% of Republicans. On this question, independents looking a lot more like Democrats at only 31% saying, yes, he has the personality and leadership qualities a president should have. I am fascinated that these numbers are up across all three yeah. partisan groups, even if they're very low, that there has been a, a positive change. And then you can compare this data to... Uh, Barack Obama and George W. Bush, um, Donald Trump, again, a net negative here, only 58 percent or 58 percent say they disagree that he has the personality and leadership qualities a president should have. Forty percent agree for Obama. That was flipped. You had almost six in 10 saying Obama had the leadership qualities a president should have. And George W. Bush, this poll of his was taken in June 2003. So I believe are they trying to get like almost apples to apples here yeah. timing wise, like third Memorial Day of your presidency-ish, right? kind of. Right. Because um, there's probably some element where if you've been doing it for a little bit, people are like, oh, well, I guess you have the leadership. Maybe that's why Trump's numbers maybe have gone up a little up. bit. People can now, they've expanded their idea of what presidential... <laughs> sorry, I just said that in Margie's face, ah! like, crumbled. <laughs> like, no! Um, <sighs> so there is a... Oh, then there's also some contract it. Please contract your idea. In addition to asking leadership. about character, they ask about issues. Do you agree or disagree with Donald Trump on the issues that matter most to you? And he has had a, a bump on this question among U.S. adults overall, as well as independents. Um, by uh, U.S. adults overall, now about 47 percent say they believe they agree with Donald Trump on the issues that matter to them most. However, 53 percent still disagree. But it's been that's been a big bump. I mean, he was trailing by almost 20 points on this question in 2017. So the fact that he is now only trailing by six, he's seen some improvement on this. So improvement or or aside, I mean, this has been a consistent thing because obviously people agree with some Republican policies, you know, but he is divisive. And so his leadership, his style, you know, you hear in a focus groups, the whole like, I wish he would not say X, Y and Z. You know, I like what he's doing on something, you know, insert some economic thing, I guess, depending on who you talk to and what part of the country. So you could see that here where people are more likely to say they agree with him on issues than think he has leadership characteristics that they 
think are essential for a president to have. They also asked in this survey, do you believe that the president's views are too liberal about right or too conservative? Donald Trump, for the most part, is viewed as uh, it's basically the same between about right or too conservative. 17 percent of people think Donald Trump is too liberal. Totally want to do that focus group. Um, for Barack Obama, um, you have 51% who thought he was too liberal, 35% who thought he was about right, 10% who thought he was too conservative. Um, Bush's numbers look about the same as Trump's numbers, and Clinton's numbers wound up looking where it was kind of split between too liberal and about right, with only 12% saying too conservative. So it seems to me that, like, I mean, the Obama numbers are a bit are more liberal than Bill Clinton's, but that there's just this like this is just the difference between Republican and Democratic yeah. presidents. But look at how similar W's numbers are to Trump's. I mean, they're Very, almost identical. I, they are. They are in terms of Whoa. where people position him uh, ideologically. How do you think both Trump and W? would take looking at those numbers. So I not that I think either of them are really like perusing the Well, I think they each the, as the presidents of the Gallup have news very interesting relationships to conservatism. Like sure. Bush famously was like I'm going to do compassionate conservatism and did things that regularly upset the conservative wing of the party whether it was no child left behind, whether it was I mean, remember he appointed Harriet Myers to the Supreme Court and that was like a whole thing for, you know, a hot second like there was his attempt to do immigration reform. I mean, so there were things Bush did that ticked off the conservative part of the party and they made life hard for him. What fascinates me is I don't doubt that that wing of the party still exists, but it seems like they don't make life hard for Donald Trump in the same way. Like exhibit A, the Freedom Caucus excommunicating Justin Amash because he has transgressed against the leader. And like, okay, the Freedom Caucus was the like, we're super, super conservative warriors, no on the debt limit, no on government expanding. And like now they're kind of like President Trump's protection squad in Congress, which is a totally (laughs) different position for them to be in than they would have been in, I think, under any other Republican administration. And I think the other thing, too, and all of this is just beyond – it's just what's interesting how different all the stuff is, but the numbers are the same, right? But I think whatever you think about Bush or Trump – my sense is Bush came to his conservative values like uh, in, in an authentic way, I guess, in an authentic way. Like that is, that's, that's his personal – like th- that was his personal leaning. It was not a political move. He, you know, that's sort of where he was. And Trump – has been has had a lot of different political views. He's been all over the place. And so, <laughs> so does he come to his conservative values? I don't want to say honestly because that seems like I'm giving you the answer that I want you to know. The answer is no, right? But um, but does he, is he does he authentically believe all of his conservative positions, or is he just like this is what you know? This is what gets me the crowd. This is what gets the crowd going. Or is he just sort of, you know, coming to them later in life? At, at any rate, it seems like a different path. But they have almost the same numbers in that pew thing, which is Incredible. fascinating. Gallup, yeah. So let's do some quick check-in. I'll talk about some Echelon polling here about the Democratic yeah. primary. Um, so Echelon, every month we do an omnibus survey. This is like a new thing, our verified voter omnibus. It is an online survey, but it is matched back to a voter file. So we're able to adjust the sample and do weighting that also includes like propensity to vote for right. like a likely voter piece of the puzzle um, and, and you can just you use the, their 
Do you have scores on it or do you make your own like, uh, oh, we can tell based on their actual vote history or is there a score like their likelihood of voting is? I believe you know, Patrick X. has like rolled his own. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, oh, so, it's Bob from Ohio. You are a seventy-two. No, I know. <laughs> no, I know. I get it. No, no, I don't mean that. Mocking. I there's math involved. No, no, I no, no. I don't mean to make that to imply that it's arbitrary. I mean to imply that like he's got the all of America memorized. <laughs> that was what I meant that by would that joke. Honestly, not surprise me. Um, so we find that in our poll, Joe Biden commanding lead in the Democratic primary, um, a bump of 12 points from April that in our May poll, he is sitting at 38 percent. This is we have a column here in this chart called driven by, which I will self critique and say driven by implies causality. It's more this is just sort of like the demographic group where they like really overperform. Mm-hmm. Um, so Joe Biden really crushing it among Democrats 45 and older. He wins half of Democrats who are over the age of 45. Uh, Bernie Sanders crushing it among Democrats under the age of 35. Um, but he comes in second place in this poll at 16 percent. Um, that second tier is then Buttigieg, Warren, Beto, and Kamala Harris at five. This, I think, is some of the best news for Beto in a while, like actually still kind of firmly being in that second tier. Um, but what I think is particularly interesting is, one, we find Joe Biden doing equally well among very and somewhat liberal Democrats as he does among moderate and conservative Democrats, yeah. which I think defies some of the conventional wisdom. Um The other thing that we did, and this is partially driven by, remember in the 2016 campaign, Trump was always hovering kind of in the 30s-ish, and people would say, well, but he can't get to 50, right? There's a majority within the party that's like, not this guy. Mm -hmm. And so as people fall out, they'll all gravitate to Cruz or Rubio or whomever the last man standing is, or woman, Carly Fiorina, never forget. And who, you know, we, eventually there will be a majority that's not for Trump. Right. And it is not the same dynamic on the Democrat. Like, I don't think Democrats view Biden as like an existential threat like that. That is not it's not the same. Right. But we did want to see, Okay, as the field narrows out, how might people go now with the understanding that there was polling in the Republican side that showed, oh, as people drop out, we think they're going to go to people who aren't Trump. And then ultimately that did not materialize in a way that stopped Trump from getting the nomination. We asked this nonetheless. um, you know, uh, in if it, just kind of head to heads, right? If it was Biden versus Sanders, and those were your only two choices, who do you go with? If it was Biden versus Harris, Biden versus Buttigieg, Biden versus Warren, how would this break out? And in all of these matchups, Joe Biden is getting 60 plus percent, while the other candidate is at a quarter for Sanders or less. Now, does that mean that Biden is definitely going to win the nomination? Absolutely not. We haven't even had the first debate. We're 100 miles away from it. Um, but it it is interesting to see that when it's sort of Biden versus kind of any other candidate, their numbers are lower. Now, you still have a big chunk saying unsure as right. well. And they could all have their minds made up to say, you know what? I loved what Kamala Harris said in that debate. So now I'm I'm with her. And you also have a lot of people who are Joe Biden Probably. The definitely camp is four in 10 or less. Um, So there's still room for a lot of this to change. This does not mean Joe Biden's definitely winning, but pretty good news for him, I would say. Yeah. I mean, it's consistent, obviously, with other polls. Okay, so I have some questions. Okay, Do you have a a closed ended list of candidates or an open ended list? 
Yes, it is a closed-ended question with 24 answer options. Cool. I mean, that seems that seems consistent with other because the numbers, you know, Biden's share when there are open questions are sometimes a little are a little bit lower than that number. So that makes sense to me. Um, that is close ended, but just curious. Uh, and did you have a vote screen? Right. So or are they or is it based uh, on party? This was just based on party of Democrats and Democratic leaners. Now, we also have other data which I believe you can get if you subscribe to Echelon's mm. Verified Voter Omnibus. Add questions mm. to our survey and you can get for the full data. I believe, you know, we have ways of looking at, like, who are people right. who are definite primary right, voters right, right. versus people who are, uh, you know, sketchier in their – I don't mean sketchy, like, bad. Yes. I just mean – Infrequent. Patchier. Patchier yes. is the Inf- word I was yes. really Yes, less frequent for. primary voters. Right. Because that would be – oh, wait. Th- Mike, so I had another question, which was hard ID. Do you, do you ask the hard ID – or, and you don't if you don't have this at, the, at your fingertips. It, this is asked fine. of Democrats and Democrat leaners, so right. people who say they are. And so you don't didn't ask that like which of these candidates have you heard of or what's your favorable rating of all these folks, so you could have a sense of whether we have hard have the, ID. I'm pulling the questionnaire up right now, so, so it could be hard. I, you know, so what's interesting now? I think this is cool because I haven't seen any head to heads of Biden versus anybody else. So that is a contribution to the to the literature, as they say. Um, my question that's not just for this poll but in general is because sometimes I don't see public polls break out the results by the hard ID of the different candidates or how likely they are to, to vote in a primary. So, you know, a thing for folks who are releasing public stuff is do these vote do these results change based on if you know Five of the candidates. If you know ten of the candidates, if you know fifteen of the ah, candidates, interesting. We or did ask are you, have you voted in like two pre, two primaries before? Then how does your, your we vote asked change? a favorability battery, but we did not ask it of all twenty some candidates. Got but it. we did ask for fave and faves of Bernie, Biden, Buttigieg, Harris, and Warren, as well as Nancy Pelosi, Donald Trump, and Mike Pence. Right. So just as a thing for anybody who is doing stuff out there that would be an interesting because there's like this twitter meme like do you know who all the candidates are like you know and so for folks for democratic candidates as a way to kind of look at engagement and you don't have vote history which a lot of public outlets media outlets don't have vote history the way yours does can you use awareness or knowledge of the various candidates as some sort of not proxy but adjacent measure of mm-hmm. political engagement. Well, anyway. there's one other thing that's fascinating here that we about the Democratic side that comes to us from Pew, and it's just more question about, and this is about enthusiastic, which we talked about on last week's show as enthusiastic, yeah. maybe not being the best way to frame these things. About. Right, because you could be filled, just to go back, you could be filled with boiling hot rage and, simp- and therefore – not want to say that you're excited to vote, that you're motivated to Although vote. Although in this case, in this question, I actually think enthusiastic can still work. Yes. So this, this is, is about are you enthusiastic? It's it's really just wants you to think about it in the positive dimension. Right. Um, are you enthusiastic if the Democratic nominee is a woman, Hispanic, black, gay, lesbian, bisexual, Asian? Or are you less enthusiastic? And again, that would be I, – I, again, I think because you're looking at it in like a unipolar, like right. more or less on this one thing. Yes. It's – and okay. it's among Democrats, so it's among Democrats about right. Democratic candidates. So it's not about your likelihood of vote. It's just enthusiasm towards your own party's candidate. Um, but there is a the biggest gender gap 
uh, is on gender. <laughs> that like women are much more likely than men to say they'd be more enthusiastic. Uh, young people are kind of more enthusiastic about all of these things compared to older Democrats. Um, but a pretty sizable gap between young women and old men in the Democratic Party on how enthusiastic they would be to have a female candidate. The rest of the gaps are not as as notable, but that one was the one that stuck out. 45% of young women say they would feel enthusiastic, more enthusiastic if the candidate was a woman, only 19% of 50-plus men in the Democratic Party. Yeah, I mean, the other thing, too, is if you look at sort of the overall and you have more enthusiastic, less enthusiastic, and so that's interesting. That's what the table you were just talking about shows. But the percent that say wouldn't make a difference, it's a majority for all of these things overall, um, which is interesting as well. And then they also ask, what's the age that you think is best for a president, which is different than how do you feel about your own party's nominee? That's a different measure. Um, and there, about half say a candidate in their 50s, 47% say a candidate in their 50s, 25% say a candidate in their 40s, 16% say a candidate in their 60s, and then fewer in the single digits say 70s or 30s. Now, you know, that may or may not match up with people's own vote preferences. It's, you know, it's sort of the hypothetical, which they could be answering a little bit. I mean, all of these are hypothetical, but that's a little bit different than how would you feel about your own candidate party's nominee? Yeah. And also, I'm, I'm very interested that younger people are obviously much more OK with younger candidates, but that so few people in their 60s actually say, like, give me a president in my 60s. Like, the people, that they're only like a quarter of them are like, give me someone my age. Like, they really want a president who's younger, which is fascinating to me. 70s, I get. But like people in their 60s saying, give me a younger president. Very interesting. Right. I mean, these are all, I mean, this whole question and how we capture it, everybody's trying to figure this out or at least asking something. We've talked about, there's been a poll like this almost every week, practically. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, we talked about the YouGov conjoint. We talked about the um, the conjoint that was in um, 538, I think it was. Um, I think it was the conjoint about, uh, you know, what would happen if you asked people, for primed them first on identity politics, that changed what people wanted. I mean, so I, I th- just there's so much trying to figure this out. I find it interesting. NBC Wall Street Journal's asked it. Like, can we settle? The, you know, it's hard to ask. It's hard to get people to answer it. I mean, they answer, but is it truly what they believe? We don't know. So there was one other thing that Pew put out, which was a check-in on the Republican primary. Now, bear in mind, there are some states that may not even have a Republican primary at this point. States like South Carolina have sent signals that they are not even going to hold a contest at all, lest anyone challenge the president. So, um, But they still, nonetheless, Pew has asked this question uh, among Republicans and Republican leaners. So might be exaggerating the number of schools squishy folks a bit more. I say this as someone who loves squishy folks. You're great, squishy folks. This is not meant as... Yeah, you're great, squishy folks. Shade against Vote you. Dem 2020. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they say, would you... do Yes, challenge Trump in 2020 or no, do not challenge Trump in 2020. A majority say, no, do not challenge Trump in 2020. 56%. While 43% say, yes, challenge Trump in 2020. I saw... Bill Crystal, right, my beloved Bill Crystal, tweet out like a memo from a pollster who I did not recognize their name, but sort of like br- breaking this poll down in the most favorable terms to those who want to like fight the fight within the party. Yeah. Um, 
I, I saw that. I think somebody tagged us somewhere along the th- thread, and I was like, "Oh, I need. I should look at this." And yeah, and it's, I didn't. There is. I mean, there's a big generation gap where older Republicans, if you are 50 and up, you say no, do not challenge Trump. But if you are younger, if you are under 50, a majority says yes, challenge Trump in 2020. So big generation divide. Surprise. <laughs> uh, but. Like the re- the stone cold. You're saying younger people are, you know, the stone cold reality that I have Republican had Party. to wrap my brain around is like young Republicans don't participate in the primaries nearly as much mm. as old Republicans. So if you've got 66% of Republicans age 50 and up saying they are not interested in a primary of Trump, like that to me feels pretty clear cut. But nonetheless, uh, there is also a big difference between the Republican and the lean Republican. If you just look at people who are hard Republicans, it is 65 percent saying don't challenge Trump. It is the lean Republicans that are more like, yes, I would like to see my options, please. So these breaks are all exactly what you would expect. Dear, dear Bill has found someone who believes this is good news for the cause of challenging Trump. I believe this just sort of reaffirms that it seems unlikely that a primary challenge would get much more than a third in any contest and would be sort of quickly quickly snuffed out. So I would like to know, and I don't know the answer to this, but it's worth investigating, which is how does the question wording change responses to this? Like, do you would you like to see someone challenge Trump? Is an easier bar to clear than would you vote for correct. Larry Hogan in the primary? You know, absolutely correct. So you know, so that's I think different too. People like having different options. Sure, or so. is it appropriate? Or should a candidate challenge? You know, would be even easier bar probably than would you like? Should it? Sure, why not? You know, go for it. You know, we talked about this when they had on the Democratic side like different questions like should this person get into the race? And you know. Yeah. Why not? You know? <laughs> and then and then they all did. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, hey, this public poll says <laughs> I should get in the race. <laughs> Woo-hoo. Yeah. All right. Well, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about some navigator research on the economy and more. Are you good with people? Maybe you're organized or have a knack for numbers. Well, then chances are you've got skills that could lead to a new career. A Google Career Certificate can help you get a foot in the door with top employers in fast-growing fields like IT support, project management, data analytics, and user experience design. It's professional-level training developed and taught by Google employees, and it's all online so you can learn around your schedule. Put your skills to work. Go to grow.google/certificates. Okay. All right, so we're back. So we talked about the Echelon poll of Democratic primary voters. And then we have a navigator poll that had a couple different topics. Folks just always, that's a, a project I work on jointly with the folks at uh, Global Strategy Group. Um, and it's all online, the questionnaire, the analysis, the memo, et cetera. Um, and we had three topics. We had some Mueller investigation stuff, Trump's tax returns, and then Kristen's favorite topic, capitalism. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) I love that, like, when we're putting the script together, I get an email last night that's like, a comment has been added to the document, and it's like, Margie is highlighting that she believes Kristen will really want to talk about this stuff. I always do. I always do. It's like, you know, you know, when um, that uh, Simpsons meme, and it's like all the different, like, little flags that 
Homer waves when he sits on his couch, you know, and there's like all these different, you know, it's like a recurring joke. And it's just like Kristen waving like a little capitalism (laughs) flag, you know. (laughs) Anyway, so this is to kind of have this, have this, you know, explore a variety of different things. Like how do people think about capitalism? How do they think about capitalism when – like versus a or a democratic message on the economy, I should say, versus a like a right leaning, a progressive message on the economy versus a right leaning message that folds in this kind of socialism hit that you'll hear sometimes. And it it, it turns out that there's no real difference. So let me explain what that means. So, you know, which comes closest to your view? Those who say we need to ensure the economy works for everyone, because right now it's just wealthy people getting richer, while people who work for a living are falling further behind. That works just as well, 57% versus 56%, 56%, no real difference, whether it's paired off against a conservative leading message that says the economy is working just fine, the national economy is booming, and unemployment's at its lowest point. When you add to that message a, a phrase about we can't afford to move towards socialism because it's going to ruin our economy, which you hear some folks say, it doesn't change the, the right-leaning message. So either way, the progressive side uh, wins. Um, and then there's some differences depending on whether you're, you know, who do you trust to handle Democrats in Congress, Republicans in Congress, whether it's looking out for people who work for a living, that's more clearly Democrats in Congress. If it's about the economy, just as a kind of the word economy, then it's Republicans in Congress. So that's kind of an interesting breakout on how we're talking about the economy. Are we talking about the people specifically improving wages for American workers? Their Democrats are trusted more. Creating an economy where workers can thrive, that's more evenly divided. So there's some real guidance there for progressives on how to talk about the economy. And then for Kristen's I love this question. What? Capitalism with rules? Capitalism with regulations? This is how you test language. And it is fascinating. (laughs) And also, where my 30% at? (laughs) Who want capitalism without limits? No limits! Shoot for the moon, everybody. Okay, I'm just me, kidding. I'm not an anarchist. Let me explain let me what back. this is, what Kristen is so excited about that she's cheering like Homer Simpson with this little flag, right? So um, which is more appealing, capitalism with rules or capitalism without rules? Capitalism with regulations, capitalism without regulations, capitalism with limits, capitalism without limits. And so in all of those, majorities would prefer something, something on capitalism. And it's interesting that regulations, I mean, capitalism with rules is the, you know, 87% prefer that versus capitalism without rules. 13% say yes to capitalism without rules, right? But <laughs> Meet me outside afterwards, guys. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah. You know, law and order except for capitalism. All right. So then <laughs> capitalism with regulations, 80%. I mean, regulations is not something that like, you know, progressives like to say, you know, we want regulations, you know, regulations now, right? But even that is seen as better than capitalism without regulations, 80-20, right? Capitalism with limits, 70, without limits, 30. So that's a little bit different. But still, majorities prefer some limitations. So if I was going to make a t-shirt, my t-shirt should say, capitalism without limits. (laughs) That's the one that tests the best. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. But it is, it's interesting that like, you know, you can see, you can imagine someone sitting there like trying to figure out how to write a press release about a new policy they want to advance that's going to curb something that people on Wall Street are doing or what have you and being like, okay, I'm writing this. How do you write it? And being like, we need limits on whatever. And somebody coming in and be like, no, 
limits only tests at 70%. Right. What we need to say is rules it tests right. at 87%. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm be, it sounds like I'm being facetious, but I'm actually not. Like, it's that's a really... Message guidance. That is a it. valuable thing to find and to be able to sort of nudge your client to be able to say. And frankly, for those who like capitalism without limits. Right. Uh, th- which is not really what uh, free market do well. I mean, there are some people who for sure want capitalism without limits. Um, but, I mean, that's also valuable for those who are free market advocates to know. Is right. I-, I don't believe they're going to run out and start saying we support capitalism without limits. But to understand that, like, you should also be talking about, like, what do you believe are the appropriate rules? Right. If you believe capitalism without rules is a straw man and not what you believe, you need to articulate what rules you do think exist because only 13 percent of people think capitalism without rules is great right and if you're and if somebody listening to that says well i'm gonna say socialism is bad and the economy is doing well well that's not you know that gets you a little bit closer but that's still not a majority position um and for progressives who hear folks sort of you know beating the drum about socialism on the right it doesn't you know it doesn't actually change the message one way or the other yeah now of course your mileage may vary in your own neck of the woods, as always. Um, and then uh, we did a max diff where we asked a variety of different um, questions here about which of these you know concern you and and the ones. And this is just consistent with, uh, with some of the other stuff in the rest of the poll. Um, the problem is when those at the very top use their political power and wealth to rig the rules and accumulate even more wealth and power, taking an even bigger slice of the pie. Instead of expanding it, we need to have we need rules to have an economy that works for everyone, not just those in power. So that's again going to those rules. What's at the bottom of the list is corporations earn profits by extracting value from the rest of us by squeezing workers, raising prices, or undermining competitors rather than by promoting investment and innovation. So that's a little bit lower. We need rules to get corporations to invest and innovate instead of extract. So I don't know why that one's lower. I mean, you know, there's no follow. Maybe it's because people think that companies are already you know, innovating, um, you know, people see innovation or maybe they feel or maybe this is just, you know, if this I'm is looking for like harder a... to observe. It's easier to observe, you know, the wealthier getting a lot more power and wealth while other folks are, you know, well, it struggling also to get by. strikes me as the better messages are ones that kind of focus on like deficiencies in the system where the ones that perform less well are the ones that are like corporations and CEOs do bad things. Right. Like that That's seems to true. me a, an, an interesting divide between those. But what I really like about the way you've done this is the, the sort of like the parallel construction of all of the messages. So it's not just like six blurbs, right? They right. all begin with the problem is when blah, 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 blah. We need rules to have an economy or we need rules that dot, dot, dot. Like they each – it's two sentences and they kind of begin the same way. And that I think makes it cleaner to understand like what exactly is driving the differences in opinion instead of it was just like six random blurs. Right, right. Although, you know, I should note the second one does say we need rules so greedy companies can't make it too expensive. So there's some of that language. Sure. But yeah, I I, I hear your point. I think that's probably part of it. And then we had another series – which of these, you know, t- for each of these, say, does it, you I know, mean, what percent say raises fundamental doubts about America's economic system for you? And the one that most people say expresses, you know, it gives them some doubt is health insurance and drug companies have dramatically increased prices for consumers with health care costs at all time highs. 
you know, even 41 percent of those who approve of Trump say that it gives them some doubts about our economy. And that's consistent with what, you know, folks were talking about a lot in the midterms about the health care system. I mean, this is something people can feel and see and experience about our health care system. Um, bottom of the list is industry lobbyists have been hired to run federal departments that have regulated their industries. I think that's just a little bit farther removed from people's daily experiences to see what what that means in terms of the impact and you know the awareness of you know what the, what what that's referring to. So that one is I suspect why that's a little bit lower. Well, let's go ahead and talk about this next uh, study, which you it, it you are familiar with. I, I think more so I than read, I am. I saw it. I, I was. I it passed by. It passed me by on many occasions over the last couple of days. So this is a study of thirty thousand Black Americans, and it and it's called this. It's called a census, the Black Census Project. Yes, but it's not technically a census because a census is counting everyone. Right. But nonetheless, it's, it's. I'm okay with that as kind of a. I mean, it is in a census, but it is the largest samp survey of yes. Black Americans. And is ever the conducted. idea to sort of fill in the gaps to understand communities that are not as well surveyed by existing studies? Well, so I mean, it's that. It's also to ask, you know, it's asked to a different set of questions than you would ask, you know, would find in sort of sure. standard survey. But so I think so. There, this is a you know, there's a lot of this online. There was an op-ed in the New York Times, and then the the um, principal investigator was on uh, Morty Joe this morning. And there's a report, and so folks should take a look. There's lots of content, and I think they're going to issue more reports after this first one. I think what's interesting for folks to think about is the methodology, which is is interesting to me. So the goal was to find, how do you find people who are sometimes underrepresented in a telephone survey or an online survey? And, you know, this is something that lots of folks who want to do these large scale surveys, we've had folks come to us and say, we want to do the largest survey of blank group ever done, or we want to have a large end so we can look at all these different audiences. Because when you sometimes do a, an oversample of a group, you are doing 100, 200, 300 over Sample and can you fully dig deep into the demographics if you are, you know, have a couple hundred interviews? So, being able to really expand on that a lot, I think, is one of the goals of the project. So, you could go online to fill out the survey, right? So, there was a, there was a website that they directed people to, and you could go online. They also worked with partners to have, you know, to go into communities and have iPads and administer the survey with interviewers. Um, so, they had, you know, the, like I think a, a hundred or so interviewers go out into communities and try to, you know, get responses. Yeah, so, they said they had, they had uh, people taking the survey in person were given iPads to collect responses. Um, people reached by the organizers were given an option to answer the survey online. Some partners distributed surveys among incarcerated black people. Right. But there are, I mean, they really did a lot of work to make sure no one was going to be missing from right. this. Right. And so, um, and, and so they also, they say in the methodology, it, the distribution is a little bit different than what the demographic distribution than if you looked at the, you know, at other census or other surveys. So it had a high a uh, higher LGBT percentage. It had a higher rate of folks who were a little bit more, um, you know, politically engaged, or said they had voted or had a college degree. And I think the goal was to see, who, you know, these folks who are, you know, who are not always represented in a way to look at them independently. Um, what can we learn from them, and what are the issues that folks, you know, these folks care about, and then you know, share with other folks in the community. Um, one thing that was interesting. 
I'd be curious to see how this question would work, you know, what would people say in other communities? 52% of respondents say politicians don't care about black people and their interests. 50, so, like, you know, that's troubling. Also, I'm not surprised. I wonder, you know, I also bet that if you ask this of other groups that people would say it, would, it might be a similar number, too. Mm-hmm. They, they ask about a couple different issues, about different pressing economic program uh, problems facing the black community, where they find 85 percent say that low wages are not enough to sustain a family is a major problem. Lack of affordable health care at 77 percent. Rising college costs at 77 percent. Lack of affordable housing. Uh, at 76%. And you have also pretty significant support for government role in solving economic problems. 87% saying government should provide adequate housing for people who lack it. 90% saying government should provide affordable and quality health care. And 86% saying government should address the gap between the rich and the poor. Yeah. So anyway, check it out. They also had some questions on criminal justice reform and uh, policing. And there's lots of cool stuff in there. Okay. So we're going to take another break. And then come back to talk about the UK. Support for this podcast comes from Invent Together. According to studies, less than 13% of all inventors who hold a US patent are women. Black and Hispanic college graduates patent at half the rate of their white counterparts. But we can fix that by increasing participation in innovation and patenting by underrepresented groups. It would quadruple the number of American inventors and increase annual GDP by almost $1 trillion. Invent Together is a coalition of organizations, companies, universities, and concerned citizens committed to ensuring that everyone has the opportunity to invent and patent. Because the more diverse the American patent system gets, the stronger and more successful our nation will become. What can you do to help diverse inventors patent and unleash economic opportunity? Find out at inventtogether.org. Learn more and take action today. Okay, so we're back. And I'm amazed that there's tracking on this. There was a poll. This was like the only poll that came out over the weekend because, you know, I guess it's not it's not a bank holiday in the UK this past weekend. And, and uh, Politico said, people in the UK support Trump's visit. And then it's not really like it's not a strong endorsement. It's just not like, oh yeah, come, this is great, welcome. It's <laughs> it's the the, the it's question like, is, okay, sure. should it go ahead or should it be canceled? Right. Are the <laughs> options? So it's 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 a little more muted. But interestingly, initially when he was first sworn into office, I believe there was a state visit that was planned for further down the road. Initially, a wide uh, you know about half said, yes, this should go ahead. Only um, just over, it looks like thirty seven-ish percent said it should be canceled. And then, of course, you had, I think it was that summer or that fall, there was like ma- like a massive kerfluffle over it was something with intelligence. Like, I, I believe he was like beating up on British intelligence. I mean, there was some yeah. kind of, I don't remember the details, but all of a sudden you have should be canceled spiking way up to like 55%. And then it came back down and there was like a working visit that was going to happen uh, that happened last summer um, people broadly said yes it should go ahead only 37% thought it should be canceled so it's what narrowed. about a tweeting visit a working visit well, I mean so come on he's on this visit the, the, the big story I saw was Meghan Markle will not be meeting with President Trump I'm sure they're both fine with that arrangement she go go hang out with your your cool new baby don't 
stay away from this whole situation. But he is going to yeah. have lunch with Prince Harry, and he's uh, there will surely be like some fancy dinner where he's meeting with the Queen and Duchess Kate and all these people, and so that will be something oh. else. Um, yeah, I mean, this does not seem like a ring. This is like, all right, go on then. Like, it's not. It's not like. Yeah, you know, <laughs> go do it. Like, and cancel this strong, you know. This, I don't know if like cancel, like you're, can- you know, this Trump needs to be canceled. I don't know if that's like slang in the UK or not. That, Trump needs to be canceled, right? You're that's canceled. A, that cancel culture thing. I don't know if that's like a UK. If that's you know jumps the pond, as it were. Um, but either way, whether it has or not, canceled is pretty strong. Versus, well, go ahead. <laughs> it's fine. Just let it happen. And even with that, it's basically divided. <laughs> you know what's not canceled? Summer. Summer's not canceled. And so we come to you at the end of the show with, as always, our high quality poll of unknown provenance about yeah. something interesting. Uh, and this time we're talking about pools. Um, there is a pool, a poll on pool. Wow. I know. Ooh, a poll on pools. Uh, the Get Yourself Ship Shape campaign. To, did a study found that three in ten adults say they haven't jumped into the water in more than ten wow. years. Wow, you should go. It's nice. Jump in the pool. It's fun, folks. So this is where I went down a rabbit hole, and I was like, "What is the Get Yourself Ship Shape campaign?" I don't think that sounds is great. Big pool behind this no, pool. I feel like that's probably like some sort of bikini razor monopoly. So I googled Get Yourself Ship Shape campaign. And it says, John West encourages the nation to get yourself ship shape. And I'm like, who is John West? Oh, no. <laughs> so then it takes me to what I appears to potentially be a UK site. I'm trying to see if there are any spelling clues. So John West is a food company that makes like canned tuna. And they are sponsoring a lot of these like, I think like swim across the channel events. Okay. And such. Um so it's unclear to me that this is even a sample of Americans, although it appears on an American news website. But yeah, I well, went, finally went sense. to the Wikipedia page of John West, and it is John West Foods, which was, uh, yeah, they make Well, that makes them. more sense that fewer people, fewer adults have been in a pool, because it's not like hot as hell throughout all of the UK for like for three months a year, <laughs> you know? Like, it's just not, the, it's not quite as like, I can't, like, there's nothing else I can think of right now other than... But this cool. was we found this poll on a local NBC website. Wow. Somewhere in Pennsylvania. Anyhow. So jump in the pool, guys. I don't have a pool because I live in like a little townhouse in DC, but I am considering buying one of those inflatable kitty pools. Yeah. For my dog. Yeah. You're I think your dog So internet, if you would like some Wally in yes. a kitty pool content. Tweet at me. Encourage me to make bad decisions on Amazon. <laughs> I think that'd be good. I think Wally would be very appreciative. I, I like to think so. Um, the Wikipedia page for Golden Retrievers, which is where I do most of my research, as you can tell. <laughs> it's uh, your number one news source. Number one news source <laughs> says that Golden Retrievers instinctively love the water because they were bred to go after waterfowl. So if yeah. I get like a rubber chicken and I throw it in a kiddie pool, like will Wally be like, you have triggered my internal instincts. I must go. It is foul yes. in a pool. Yes. I knew somebody who had a I'll Golden Retriever back. in college and the 
her name was Zappa, and That's she would great. and she would love the she would love to go to you know to the river, and she would just love to go chase after balls. I mean, it was just like all all she could think about morning, noon, night was balls. Like where like where do I where's the ball? I need it. I need it right now. And so she would if like she would be swept away into wherever this lake would go. With the ball, chasing after a ball, you would have to throw another ball in another direction to get her to come out of the river. Otherwise, she was like, see you later. I'm going going down the river now. I look once more just around the riverbed. Yeah. So you had, I mean, the the drive for the ball was so strong that she would just put her own life at risk to save it. guarantee you, Wally, does not happen. I've tried. If you've ever seen my Instagram videos of him, like, fetch failing – He's not great at it. But maybe the water will trigger something deep down. I feel like he him. probably can't. He probably there's not that much that can go wrong if he's just in a kiddie pool in your backyard. He's not gonna like I am now going out into the Potomac. See you later. You know. Yep, no, I this is a low risk enterprise. Yeah. So I'll keep you posted. That's follow good. me on Instagram. Uh, can you take him you to wanna... the Navy Yard? That is there is that water there's like that wading pool. Is that Probably. a good? Probably. Oh, I don't know if you can take dogs in some of these these. Mm. Th- I mean, you do you mean like a like a like a river wading? No, no. Situation? There's like a wading pool type thing by the Navy Yard okay. by the ro- like by the Rose Garden. Oh. There's a wading pool that's. That's like probably the size of the plot of land that your house is on, right? Okay. And it's like a waiting pool for like small children and I'm assuming also dogs. I probably they really want it for nobody and none of those things. But like it's design <laughs> but it's the siren song of it is just so I'll have loud. to investigate. My I always assume that dogs are not permitted. It's like a spray park in, kind of thing. Okay. We've tried taking him to the spray park that's in Eastern Market. It's by the new Trader Joe's. But oh. it's it's fairly mild. I haven't been there. It's not very exciting. Although I did see a small child like in like a diaper, like running around and like just when I say face planted, did not like fall. Like dropped himself down to the ground and just stuck his face directly on yeah. one of the fountains. And I was like, that kid. Is making all the right choices. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's having a great memorial day. <laughs> yeah, he's taking a blast of water to the face. Yeah, I know, I mean, loving every second. of it. I know it. they have no. I know it's like it's a kind of like Zappa. It's like, <laughs> but with a different goal in mind. But yeah, similarly fo- laser focused. Um, okay, so our key findings. What's on the trend line this week? Uh, we are taping early, and we've got a couple interesting feelers out there, but I'm really hoping to be able to do um, a show about one of two things. We've got a couple different guests we're trying to book either for this week or next week. One will be about video games and mm-hmm. community building, and basically there's this great New York Times piece by Peter Suderman um, about our video games, the new social network, and so talking mm. a little bit about that. Which is something I touched on in the selfie vote as a way to justify my brief World of Warcraft addiction. Cool. So, like, okay. this is a subject near and dear to my heart. Sure. Uh, and then also, I wanted to do a, a segment on deep fakes because now with that video last week mm. of Pelosi, which was not a deep fake, it was just deceptively edited. Like, that's just the beginning, kids. Like, it's going to get way worse, way faster than you ever imagined. Of like, AI could create this podcast, and it would probably be like better. <laughs> I wasn't going to say better, but like... The, it, not funnier, though. All right, certainly sorry. Certainly not funnier. <laughs> certainly not funnier. Um, 
So that is a a trend to watch out for, like a scary trend. Sure. So, did you find what percentage? Didn't you ask a question about like Sim City or something in your echelon? Oh, poll? I did. Oh, we should have put that at end. Sorry, I put show. it. I put it in the key finding. So this is your moment. Okay. Uh, I'm on the I saw it on echelon Twitter. omnibus. So we we have some other questions. Like clients can add questions if they want. Um, and I said so, a client say, please tell me how many. No, but people I, in your I cannot played. disclose who the client was. But I. I was like, I want to know. Does the name rhyme with <laughs> Mristen Soltis Well, the, the client for this question was was uh, Mristen Soltis-Manderson. <laughs> Whatever I said. Uh, yeah. So I wanted just a crosstab. Like, right. people who have or haven't played SimCity, do they have a very different view of this one particular issue? Um, which then gave me data on what percentage of people have played SimCity. And it turns out half of people under the age of 30 have played a game in the SimCity uh, SimCity game series. Now, there was a very accurate question posed to me on Twitter, which was, the question seems worded oddly, could people who just played The Sims opt into this? And that's something I really struggled with as someone who's played a lot of The Sims as well. Right. How do you ask people specifically about the SimCity games? But you can't just say SimCity because somebody may... like. SimCity was the original game back in the 80s, but you then also have like SimCity 2000. And I was looking oh. for the urban planning right. versions of the game. Sure. Not all Maxis games in the right, Sims right, right. universe. So we tried to come up with question wording that would be as clean and simple as possible. Understanding some people may have opted in who just played The Sims. Like, we get it. But I didn't want to say, check which of the following games you've played and list every iteration of SimCity. Like, right. Too much. Yeah. For this goofy, Christian's just a little curious thing. Right. Too much. So that was the thought process for those who asked on Twitter. You're not wrong. I agree with you. We could not come up with what I felt was the perfect way to ask the question. So to me, that was the best possible approach. All right. Cool. Well... And we didn't talk about Game of Thrones. So my key findings basically is trash now. <laughs> oh, because we like changed the script last night. Yeah, minute. no, it's fine. There was this like monkey cage blog thing about uh, Game of Thrones and like what that meant for your own politics. I'm like, when will it end? And so I guess Kristen decided it, it, it is ending and we didn't include it, so which I appreciate. Anyway, I like that what I do like, which we still talked about, is the Mega N surveys. I like them. Memorial Day weekend meant a slight break from the polls, but as you know, polling never really takes a holiday. And no matter whether your sport is SimCity, Game of Thrones, or political handicapping, hope you're spending some time outside off Twitter. Maybe go to a pool. Maybe go swimming with Wally. Maybe go to a spray park. Or just follow me on Instagram and you can live the Wally and be pool so cool. experience yes. vicariously. Yes. You can find us on Twitter at, at the Polsters, individually at, at Margie O'Mero and at K Soltis Anderson. Or you can find us at www.thepolsters.com.